0: Hi, welcome to Shift, it's PwC Canada's podcast series, and we're digging into key digital trends and topics that can make your business transformation a reality. I'm your host, John Finkelstein, and I'm also the creative director of PwC Canada. Welcome to another episode of Shift. Why, I'm really glad you're here. We have a doozy for you today, believe me. I'm super excited. I'm joined today by Rizwan Kalthan. Chief Digital and Payments Officer at TD Bank Group. I think we're all witnessing some seismic change going on in the world right now, uh, especially when it um, relates to things like what our expectations as consumers are, whether we're worried about data and privacy. So I'm so glad you're here. Rizwan, welcome to
1: SHIFT. Thanks, John. Good to see you again. And I'm looking forward to this conversation.
0: Me too. You know, it's interesting because I think we take a lot of things for granted right now. How organizations are adapting to this kind of post COVID world, if you will. I mean, it's been a whirlwind. And of course, you know, we're recording this from our separate homes. Maybe you could just take a second and kind of let our listeners know a little bit about you and what led you to the position that you're in right now.
1: Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, I've had uh, various roles at TD the last 10 years. I feel like, uh... You know a founder of a startup within the bigger bank uh, working with uh, amazing uh, you know talent uh, that i've learned so much from and uh, we've gone on to create uh, the largest digital bank in canada um, you know over the last 10 years uh, with uh, millions of customers you know who depend on our digital capabilities experiences properties for the day-to-day financial needs, and uh, we look forward to continue serving them as the pandemic has shifted behaviors. I
0: was wondering, you're probably in a really awesome position to answer this question because you talked about how TD is like the largest digital bank, and we all know as consumers what digital has meant to us over the last sort of, you know, 18 months or however long we've been home. Do you see this new kind of, we'll call it a rapid growth, in digital customer engagement, you see that powering a new normal as we kind of think about going back to work or back
1: to the office? Across our customers, we've had over a million new customers engage with us digitally. When you think about how we used to bank, you know, where we used to go into a branch, say two or three times a month, uh, and over the course of uh, the year, you know, that would lend yourself into 20, 30 times a year, you know, that you interact with your bank uh, right. in the branch. Well, today we have over 10 million active mobile customers. 10 million. And, that's right, John. And yes. over 15 million active digital customers. Now the mobile customer is really interesting because it's still growing. You know, the mobile customer engages with us over 20 times a month. That's a lot of interaction with an institution, if you will. Exactly. Yeah. That that is the point that the engagement has gone up 10x, you know, between our customers and the bank, and that's a really unique opportunity that it creates. You know, engagement allows us to effectively deepen that relationship with the customer, understand them better. The digital transformation has created new opportunities, probably in every industry. But we can speak, you know, with some level of confidence in the financial industry. It has driven engagement and uh, created opportunities for us to serve our customers in new and exciting ways.
0: Do you think that? Customer expectations are forever changed and that this notion of going into a branch or interacting with the branch, unless it's something really big, you know, like, mm-hmm. a, like a mortgage or something where they need face to face. And will that allow the bank to kind of, you know, rethink how to offer new
1: services that are really like pinpointed in what people want? our preferences have changed. And yeah. in some cases on a permanent basis, but you can say with uh, confidence that they've all led to the fact that our expectations have increased. Mm. To me, when we talk about trends in the market, that is the mega trend. I describe it sometimes as the era of empowerment, you know, where consumers like me and you, our expectations are really high. Our expectations of our local grocery store is changed. How we go about shopping, buying, and getting our groceries delivered has changed forever. If I look at my uh, Netflix expectations, you know, uh, the content that they are recommending, all these providers need to know who I am yeah. much more intimately than they did you know, uh, pre-pandemic. So there is a new normal emerging where consumers are going to be even more empowered. I think the concept of personalization is going to take a whole new fold to truly understand who they are, what their needs are, importantly, what their preferences are and how with the right experience to best meet their customers' needs. I think this is an exciting time you know, for all consumers and you know, it's an interesting time for industries to adapt to evolve, to meet you know, to meet this trend. The notion of transactional data
0: and preferences and purchase behavior and this wealth of data is really interesting. How do you think that organizations are gonna be able to best use it? How do companies go forward thinking about how to use data for the benefit of consumer personalization and overall awesomeness?
1: I think about it uh, in four layers I mean, as to how we utilize uh, this data to deliver personalization. Uh, the first one is obviously data as a platform, and that's data that you have within your firewall. The second layer is the intelligence layer. This is where you, know, you would use decision engines, you'd use you know uh, data analytics to understand your customers better. But now we have access to machine learning and AI models. You know, uh, from a predictive uh, perspective, you can now you know anticipate, you know, your customer's needs based on the data, then in invokes the capability layer. So the example I'd say is that, hey, John, we realize that John uh, has a bill payment coming up in uh, uh, five days. The data shows us that, you know, you invoke the bill payment uh, capability and then sends a John, um, you know, a reminder. The fourth layer is really important. Uh, the fourth layer is the interaction layer. So how does John want to be reminded? What is his preference? You know, uh, Is it an email notification? Is it a push notification on app on a real-time basis? So the four layers would be the data layer, the intelligence layer, the capability layer, and the interaction layer. You know, in the industry, I think you know, uh, most are investing in all four. But I believe the interaction layer, you know, is one that we, we can get right. We're using a human-centered design approach, you know, to figure out the preferences of the customers and then invoke an experience at the interaction layer that best meets uh, customer's preferences. And this to me is how we can deliver personalization uh, in, in a unique way going forward. But you can take it one step further because now you have access to AI models, you know, that can actually, you know, allow you to anticipate the needs much more proactively. Mm-hmm. I'll give you a simple example that we launched, which, which I think is, is uh, fairly unique. We have an amazing capability uh, from an AI perspective through an acquisition, layer six. Uh, we acquired them uh, three plus years ago, you know, just an amazing uh, asset, you know, that, that's part of the TD family. And we use the layer six uh, AI model to predict customer balances two weeks out with a high level of accuracy. When we're able to do that, we're able to reach out to customers and, you know, provide them with these soft nudges to say, hey, if your balances is going to run into issues to meet your monthly financial commitments, here are actionable insights that can help you navigate, you know, uh, through those commitments. And the response was amazing.
0: We talk about preferences and how we like to use channels for different things. Keeping that balance and understanding how people like to interact. And I think understanding what channels have power for different types of tasks is really, really important. Making sure that your customers have, I guess, choice about how they want to engage
1: and what makes sense to them, I guess, both now and for the future. I do believe that every customer is unique, Yeah. right? And I know we come from an industry where we're so used to segmentation. (laughs) We segment everybody into boxes. And and I kind of feel like, you know, uh, the last two years and a trend that existed before, which now has been accelerated, is, you know, understanding the preferences of customers on an individual basis, on a one-to-one basis. We've seen a huge surge in digital. But does that mean that Customers at some point don't want to have a one-on-one conversation face-to-face? Of course not. We have a saying that you know, customers want everything, which is true. Coming back to the era of empowerment for a consumer, organizations that can adapt to meet their customers' needs on an individual basis are best positioned to win going forward. And that's not easy. It's easier said than done. Are you know, you know, large incumbent organizations, you know, do they have the flexibility? to be able to adapt to meet customers' needs. Because one thing is for sure, customer expectations are growing exponentially.
0: That's really interesting. I'm just trying to think of the role of empathy because empathy on the one hand feels like a very kind of human behavior. Whereas what we're talking about is largely sort of digital and automated. Where where do you see that kind of
1: balance happening? I think empathy has a significant role uh, to play in, uh, in personalization. You know, and and I'll give you an example, right? So, you know, as we talked about the digital surge through the pandemic, you know, know, we saw two groups of customers. Uh, One group of customers were those that already used digital capabilities, you Mm -hmm. know, uh, for banking. And so through the surge, you know, uh, we saw existing digital customers use digital capabilities more holistically. Mm -hmm. But we saw something more interesting. We saw a massive cohort of customers who had never used uh, digital before and um, you know as a result of the safety and health protocols they were actually you know forced to use digital you know as part of their safety and convenience and i was amazed at uh, how they embraced digital given that their digital fluency was not at the same level of those customers who had been using digital capabilities for a long period of time Amongst them were obviously a lot of seniors, you know, yeah. and the feedback I got from seniors, you know, was predominantly very positive. And I was actually inspired uh, by their feedback. You know, uh, it was to the effect that, hey, I've been forced to onboard online or digitally, and it is more convenient. Having said that, you know, the, it is really important to recognize the journey they are on and not assume, you know, a level of fluency. So I think that's that's... That was an important takeaway for us that, you know, we, don't, we want to develop, you know, experiences, you know, for different levels of digital fluency. Yeah. And so that's a good example of where empathy uh, comes in when you put yourself in your customer's shoes and say, if they're not onboarded to digital, how would you onboard them right now when you understand that their fluency level is not as high as you expected? And what guardrails would you put in place? What training, what education, what visuals, what videos would you put out there so that it helps those customers? Going forward, we've incorporated empathy into all our design practices, designing experiences that are relevant for them based on what they are trying to achieve versus, you know, what I would say the industry has typically done before is design for mass market. Design yeah. one digital experience.
0: Oh, yeah. <clears throat> you know, there was a time, and I think it's still that with other organizations where technology leads the experience. And that's a real problem. And I think the best organizations who are starting to integrate that sort of empathetic technology bent are the ones that are really going to win. So there had to have been lots of adaptations and pivoting and, you know, really getting kind of TD. Um, thinking about how to serve customers uh, when the pandemic hit, I'm really interested to know how, how that happened, how you transformed quickly.
1: As somebody who's worked at TD for close to 20 years, you know the response of our colleagues across the bank to do what's right for our customers and their colleagues and in our communities was inspirational uh I' would say that uh, you know our colleagues across the bank rose up to the challenge, developed hundreds of capabilities in uh, you know in weeks and in some cases days, which yeah. otherwise would have taken months if not more and uh, it was it was amazing to see john i i'd definitely say that was one of the more proud moments you know uh, in my career just to see the response um you know of our colleagues and and the question kind of comes you know, on reflection, how are they able, how are they able to navigate and to, you know, move with purpose, speed, agility, you know, in a way that we have never seen before. So we have a lot of uh, agile uh, pods mm-hmm. where, you know, um, we've embraced agile as a practice. It was clear that those agile pods were able to move faster. They were able to reprioritize what was important uh, to our customers and their colleagues and pivot to deliver those capabilities, you know, in a way that uh, if we had used a more project-based methodology, it would have taken us a lot longer you know, yeah. to pivot. You know, I'd, I'd also, on reflection, highlight that we have a robust innovation ecosystem at TD that we've developed over the years that includes, you know, incubator, includes an accelerator, includes fintech partnerships, you know, uh, amongst other things. And we were able to leverage these partnerships. Uh, in a way that uh, I had not seen before. And if we were, if it was not for the fact that we had these partnerships, we'd be starting from scratch. Yeah. So a simple example would be, John, that, uh, you know, we had launched, uh, you know, a chatbot in Canada uh, with a fintech partner, you know, uh, uh, before the pandemic. And uh, the team, you know, uh, in the U.S., you know, uh, were able to identify a need that they were seeing a lot of our mobile customers were calling into the contact center from a specific uh, area of the main app which implies that they were looking for a capability they couldn't find so right away they used the data in uh, analytics to figure out what were the main reasons that they were the customers were calling in Why not actually pivot, you know, those for the chatbot to serve? And they were able to launch a chatbot in three weeks. Wow. In three weeks, which for the next three months, served 1.7 million customer requests successfully. Wow. So here is an example that the foundational investments we made, you know, in an innovation ecosystem, in the talent, in an operating model combined with modern platforms, you want to remind yourselves that, look, in the moment, you know, it may seem like a big investment, but it has wider repercussions in how you can adapt as an organization as the world around you is shifting and how best you need to adapt and evolve to meet your customers' needs. Have we trained ourselves
0: because of the pandemic, because of rapid speed and agility and acceleration
1: to do things more quickly than they should be done? I'd say, look, we've learned a number of things through the pandemic and responding to our customers needs with agility you know is clearly one of them lots of times when the request comes in you're like here's all the different obstacles that you need to get over and yet what we've experienced in the last 15 months is is, is remarkable you know i described at td that uh, we always we always knew that we had the speed muscle, but we saw it in action. This is the way we want to actually stay connected with our customers and be able to serve them on a go forward basis. And actually the fact that their expectations are rising and changing as fast as, as they can, that becomes a competitive advantage for TD as long as they can continue to adapt. Yeah, that's so fundamental. You know, when I talk to, you know, hundreds of colleagues, you know, across the bank, they, were, they felt empowered. They always wanted to do what was right for customers, but the difference in the last 15 months was they felt empowered to actually action what was right in a way that I had not seen before. And and that to me is uh, is something that we want to continue to build on and we want to continue to figure out ways to empower as many of our colleagues you know, to be able to do what's right uh, and enrich the lives of our customers on a go forward basis. Because to me, that's a winning proposition.
0: That was amazing
1: what you just said, by the way.
0: What is greater than empowerment? What does, I mean, the, the cascade effect of that is yeah. incredible. One of the things that we like to do on shift is do a lightning round of never before asked questions to our particular guests, just to get a little sense of who they are and what they're all about. So,
1: uh, Rizwan, here we go. What is the weirdest COVID habit you've picked up? I actually go and check on my children, who, by the way, are 21, 19, and 17 on a regular basis. I'll knock on their door just to see what they're doing. And they're like, you've never done that before, multiple times a day.
0: I do the same thing.
1: <laughs> um, okay. What's your best working from home tip? Intimately understand your Wi-Fi network to make sure that you're actually optimizing you know, the network for everybody who's using it at home. I don't think I've done that. I'm going to look
0: into that. And then finally, what is your favorite movie or binge watching TV series?
1: We just started a new series on Netflix called Manifest. It's really interesting. Uh, I think they've got two seasons on it uh, uh, on Netflix. We are we're still working through the first season as a family. Uh, but it's about, you know, a plane, you know, a uh, arriving at an airport after departing five and a half years earlier. Is it worth watching because I saw the trailer? Yeah, I I think it is. I mean, I'm I'm still early into it, but I find that fascinating, right?
0: All right, well, that wraps up another episode of Shift. I I don't know about you, Rizwan, but that went by really quickly for me. Thank you so much for appearing
1: and being a guest on here and sharing uh, all your insights about what's been going on with TD. Thank you, John, it was an absolute pleasure. And I'm looking forward to meeting you in person. Me too.
0: And I'd like to uh, quick shout out to our listeners. Thank you so much for listening. I know you have lots of choice when it comes to podcasts, especially business ones. So we really appreciate you spending the time uh, to listen to PwC Shift. Until next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Shift. You can get more details at pwc.com ca shift. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, subscribe to our podcast series. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, or your preferred podcast platform. Just so you know, this podcast has been prepared by PricewaterhouseCoopers LLP, an Ontario limited liability partnership for general guidance on matters of interest only and does not constitute professional advice. Until next time.